0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Paul turned up at Shoshana's apartment around 6.30pm and brought his cheap wine with him. They had sex as soon as he arrived. They hadn't said much more to each other than hello before getting into bed, and now they laid there in silence. Paul seemed comfortable, to just be in the moment relaxing. Shoshana said she was hungry and got up asking if Paul wanted something to eat. He agreed. He was hungry too, as he hadn't eaten today. He had been working on a large canvas and had become so engaged with his work that when the feeling of hunger stirred in him, he allowed himself to feel the hunger rather than attend to his body signal and feed it. It was typical for Paul to flow with his body and environment. He believed it helped him transform his work into something richer. As Shoshana busied herself in the kitchen, Paul looked around Shoshana's bedroom. It was plush compared to his pickup dock studio apartment. Shoshana returned to her bedroom carrying a fruit and cheese platter with crackers. Paul had opened the wine and was already drinking. So, how was your Sunday? Paul asked. Get up to anything interesting? Shoshana smiled happily as she got back into bed and placed the tray between them. Yes. I went to Brighton and stayed with Abby. I just got back this afternoon. She's going to be in a school play on Wednesday. Want to come? Paul picked at the cheese as he drank at the wine. Sure, how are you getting there? he asked. Oh, mum and dad, I suppose. Paul nodded. Well, if you like, I have a friend who sometimes lends me his van, you know, to pick up large canvases. We could use that if you want to get down there on your own. I don't care any which way. Shawl and Adele seem nice, but I'd rather like the drive. It's nice along the coast. I suppose I could drop by my agent's place too. You'd like him. He's got a fancy place down there. Don't let anyone tell you there isn't a quid to be made in art. It's just... It barely finds its way to the artists, he said, matter-of-factly. Yeah, he'll like you. You'll have to watch him, though. He's a bit of a ladies' man. He'll have you in bed before you know it, he joked. Really? Shoshana raised, raised her eyebrows. Yeah, he's always doing someone new, he said. You know, hopeful young artists, they buy into his promises of fame and fortune. Most of them only hold his attention for a few weeks. He's a bit of a sleaze, really. Oh well, that's the world for you. Everyone seems to be looking for something more than their lot in life. Makes the world turn, I suppose, he said, finishing his wine, then pouring himself another. Paul was so easy with his interpretation of life. Not much seemed to bother him. So, you saw your daughter. How did that go? he asked casually. Oh, Paul, wait till you see her. She's a pretty little thing, just like her mother, she smiled. Yeah, all kids are cute, but how was she, you know, emotionally? Shoshana looked at Paul quizzically. Emotionally? Yes, she was She was so happy to see me. She got all dressed up in her tutu and showed me how she can dance and sing. Oh, it was lovely, Paul. Paul looked at Shoshana. Yeah, sounds like every kid I ever met. But how was she, you know, seeing you? It's been a little while, hasn't it? Shoshana didn't know what Paul was implying. She's fine. She loved seeing me, I said. Shoshana protested. Paul picked at the grapes and cheese. So, that's just the surface. How do you think she is now? I remember when I saw my father for the first time after a while when I was about her age, and I ended up getting real sad for a long while. You know, till I found out how to cope with the pain, he added, sipping his wine. Pain? Shoshana exclaimed, why should she be in pain, she lives in a big home, has a great stepmother making her things, Gabe spoils her and she has mum and dad and dancing, ballet, singing, piano, school, she's got no pain, Shoshana said, convincing herself. Oh, well, you could be right, she's probably blocked it. So how did you come to see her? It was a surprise, right? Paul asked directly. Yes, it was a surprise, a nice surprise. Miriam had her baby and Gabe brought Abby in to see it. She was meant to stay with mum and dad overnight, but we decided to have family time in Brighton together, Shoshana explained. Oh, Miriam had the baby. Nice. What did they call it? Paul asked, interested. Oh, they don't have a name yet. They thought they were having a girl. Everything in the nursery is pink. ''I suppose I'll have to change that now.'' Paul smiled. ''I love pink. It always reminds me of the carnival. ''I remember eating so much fairy floss one time that it burnt my tongue.'' He laughed. ''Can't stand that stuff now.'' ''Oh, they don't need to change a thing. It's part of his story now.'' He smiled. Shoshana looked confused. ''What do you mean, part of his story?'' He's a boy. His story, like when you find out your story of how you came to be in the world and what happened when you first got here. You know, your story, Paul said. Shoshana looked at Paul, confused. She had never heard of that before. He had a different way of putting things together and it intrigued her. Well, you seem to know so much. What's your story, she asked Paul looked at Shoshana and smiled. Now isn't the time, Shosh. I'll tell you one day. When you're more interested, he said. What? I'm interested now. Tell me, she implored. Paul relaxed back in bed, pouring another wine. This wine is okay with cheese. It helps it to go down, he smiled. Anyway, there's no rush. We've got all the time in the world. I don't want to scratch out some 25-word-or-less account of my life. I wouldn't be doing justice, too, for all that is important to me. I don't wrap my life up in a nutshell. We're all more complicated than that, he said casually. Shoshana took a mouthful of Paul's wine. Oh, I don't know how you can drink that. It's awful, Paul laughed. Only part of it is awful, the taste part, he laughed. Everything else is okay, like the price and the effect. It's easy to get pissed on. Shoshana removed the tray of food. Now they had both stopped picking at it. She snuggled up to him with her head on his chest. Paul was a stranger, yet she felt comfortable with him and not judged. She wasn't compelled to win him over or get extra attention from him. Paul just being there was enough for now. Paul thought to himself as Shoshana lay with her head on his chest. He wondered how her little girl was after seeing her mother unexpectedly, after being apart from her for some time, and then having what he assumed must have been an intense time together with the father and stepmother. He wondered how Shoshana coped being the outsider in the family unit, and what she did to cope. Paul's understanding of what Shana was like so far made him think she wouldn't have been an overly polite and thoughtful guest in her child's home. He guessed she would have had to have made herself known to them all in a big way somehow. Paul thought about them all walking along the street after dinner at her parents place on Saturday night and Shoshana asking him if he thought that she was broken. He remembered her telling him she was the only one home when her beloved Bubby died, and how frightening that must have been for an eight-year-old. He wondered how Shawl and Adele managed Shoshana's traumatic grief, or if they were too overwhelmed by their own to notice the terror that this might have had on little Shoshana. The more he knew of Shoshana, the more interested he became in discovering who she was. He knew he was with a complicated woman. She was right to be his muse. He would learn a lot from her by just being in her ever-changing world. Paul, do you like me? Shoshana asked after a long time, sharing silence together. Paul, Paul thought about the question. Hmm, I like my experience with you, I'm sure there are things I won't like about you, but hey, you'll come to find things that you don't like about me too. I don't think about people in that way, the way I think you're saying it anyway. Sorry, what I'm really saying is I don't understand your question, I suppose. Shoshana sighed. You make things complicated, can't you just tell me you like me? She asked. Paul laughed, yeah I like you, but does that help, it's kind of striking really, here we are in bed, we had sex, we shared food, you asked me to come to your daughter's play, we are gently sharing a little more of ourselves to each other, I'm enjoying the experience, and you ask if I like you, why didn't you just assume that I did, all indicators are pointing to that. And yet you're questioning, what makes you so unsure of yourself? he asked. You know, call me presumptuous, but I'm kind of figuring that you like me. But hey, I'm ready to learn something else, he said openly. Shoshana started crying. Paul poured himself another glass of wine and let her cry. He figured she must just need to cry right now to ease some tension. He was okay with that. She was his muse and it wasn't for him to try and change things for her. Adele and Shaw visited with Miriam and the new baby boy all day on Monday and were thrilled to hold and cuddle with their latest precious addition to the family. Although Adele and Shul would coo and giggle with the baby, neither one of them could completely give themselves to the experience. Shoshana was on their mind and they were hopeful that things had gone along smoothly. Miriam and Ben were over the moon with the baby and little Rena was equally thrilled with her baby brother. Miriam was aware of her parents preoccupation. They were engaging but seemed distracted somehow. What's wrong, Mum? I keep seeing you drift away, Miriam asked. Oh, nothing, Miriam, really, Adele replied. He's such a beautiful baby boy, she added. Miriam looked at her father while Ben held their new son. Dad, what is it? I can see you're both distracted. What's going on? Miriam demanded. Shaw looked at his wife and then back to Miriam. Oh, it's good news really. Shoshana picked Abby up with Gabe yesterday after we got home from here. They headed back to Brighton for the night, Shawl explained. What? Miriam yelled. For God's sake, what is she playing at now? Miriam sniped. Now, now Miriam, it's all fine. Abby was so happy. You should have seen her. Gabe will make sure everything goes well, Shawl answered. Miriam felt exasperated. Why the hell can't anybody see what is wrong with all of this except me? Miriam complained. Gabe can't handle Anna. If he could, they'd still be married. And what about Leah? She's going to cause trouble between them. I can see it now, Miriam continued. Ben looked at his wife. Miriam, look, our boy just smiled at me. He knows it's you talking now. He's used to you yelling, he laughed. Miriam scowled at Ben. Don't be silly, Ben. Ben looked back and smiled, not interested in the latest Shoshana story. Miriam, keep your voice down, we're in a hospital. And what about the baby? Adele said in a quiet, disapproving voice. Miriam lowered her volume. Well, what about Abby? It's got to be confusing. God, she gets away with everything. Everyone has to run after Shoshana, she complained. You'd better bring Leah and make sure that everything's okay. You have to let her know that we support her. Really? Gabe is as immature as Anna is, Miriam turned back to Ben. I need my baby boy, Ben. Ben stepped closer to Miriam and handed his son to her. Go to mummy, he said. Don't worry about Shosh and Gabe. She's with that new guy Paul, the painter now anyway. It's finally over with Sol, so all is well as far as I can see. You all worry too much. Abby will have a nice time and Anna will be back in the trobe before today is out. Simple. Miriam looked at Ben and then at her parents. Where have you been the last eight years? You know what she's like. Miriam raised her voice a little again. Ben smiled at his baby boy and said in a sing song way, Give her a chance to show she's changed. Hey there, baby boy. Miriam shook her head. Here we go again, she said, exasperated. Adele and Shaw talked on the way home from the hospital. They agreed Ben was probably right, everything would be okay this time. Shoshana wasn't with Sol anymore, and she would settle down. Adele made dinner for them both, and went into the sitting room, while the food cooked. I think I'll ring Leah and see just how last night went, she told Shaw. Shaw grabbed his newspaper and sat in his favourite chair to read. Well, don't stir things up. We've got that play to go to on Wednesday, remember? I don't want things to get awkward for Abby, he said before lifting the newspaper in front of his face to end the conversation with Adele. Adele felt annoyed with Shaw. I'm not going to stir anything. Goodness, Shaw, what must you think of me? She replied, reaching for the telephone. Hello, Leah, she said into the receiver. Hello, Leah replied. "'Abby, Bubby and Sabra are on the phone,' she called out to Abby. "'Congratulations on the new baby boy. How is Miriam doing?' she asked. "'Oh, the baby and Miriam are fine. He's such a beautiful boy. What a lovely surprise. They'll have to change the nursery colours now. "'Miriam got Ben to do a little painting of the trims in pink, "'so it won't take much to go over that in blue,' Adele informed Leah. "'How was Abby?' She asked. Leah turned to Abby, waiting by her side to speak with her grandparents. Oh, she's right here, waiting to talk to you. I'll put her on, Leah said, giving Abby the phone. Hello, bubby. How's the baby? She asked excitedly. Oh, he's even more beautiful every moment. Just like you and Rena. Adele replied. Did you have a good time with mother visiting? Adele asked. Yes, Mother came to the beach with me and Daddy today. She can do the splits too, she told her grandmother. Yes, I know. Mother used to do ballet and dancing lessons just like you when she was a little girl, Adele shared. Abby thought a moment. She had never really given time to think of her mother ever being a little girl. Was she like me? Abby asked. Adele felt herself pause. Well... "'You look a little like her,' Adele answered. "'Mother is coming to the Estedford. "'She's going to watch me,' Abby informed. "'Oh,' Adele replied, surprised. "'Okay, Abby, I might talk with Leah now. "'Would you put her back on the phone, please? "'Saba and I will see you on Wednesday, okay?' "'Adele told her granddaughter. "'Okay, bye,' Abby said in a cheery voice. "'Leah!' Bubby wants to talk to you again, Abby said, handing the phone back to Leah. Hello, Leah said into the receiver. Hi, Ah, uh, Abby tells me Shoshana's attending the Estedford on Wednesday. Leah paused. Yes, apparently she might come down with you. Or, if not, Gabe has promised to pick her up. Adele felt Leah's concern. Well, it won't be necessary for Gabe to do a thing. He needs to look after his own family. We'll look after Shoshana. Don't worry about a thing, Leah. We'll sort it out with Anna, Adele comforted. How did things go, by the way? Leah sighed. Fine. Everything's fine. Gabe isn't back yet. He drove her home quite some time ago. I suppose the traffic is busier than usual, being a long weekend, Leah explained. Adele felt a little relief with Leah's words. She said everything was fine and she would leave it at that. Well, I suppose I'll let you go now. Don't worry about Anna. We'll sort out all the arrangements. Thank you so much, Leah. We love how you're bringing Abby up to be such a lovely little girl. We'll see you on Wednesday, Adele ended the conversation, uneasy now about knowing that her daughter would be attending the Estedford with them all. A part of her was happy with her daughter's desire to be in Abby's life more, but a greater part of her was concerned about Abby becoming unsettled. Adele just wanted things to be good. Shawl rustled his paper a little, hearing the conversation between his wife and Leah and Abby. He didn't want to talk about it now and kept the newspaper up high to signal to his wife not to interrupt him. They would talk about arrangements later. He needed to get used to the idea first. Paul woke up after dozing the early evening away in Shoshana's bed. She was gone. Paul got dressed as he felt a familiar headache pressing at his temple. He went into the kitchen and had a large glass of water. Ah, here the dog should do it, he said to himself before looking at the clock. It read 11.45pm. Shit, I'll miss the last tram if I don't get out of here, he thought, and moved quickly back to the bedroom and his clothes. As Paul finished putting his shoes on, he found a note resting on Shoshana's pillow addressed to him. It read, Soul called, Didn't want to wake you. Back soon. Love, Shoshana. Paul finished getting dressed and grabbed his jacket before closing the front door behind him. He crossed the road to wait for the last tram back to West Latrobe. Paul looked up at the night sky. The sky was so clear that he could see the millions of stars above, and it made him think about how insignificant most things are. Paul had always told himself to look up whenever things seemed too complicated around him. The vast sky and the stars always put things into perspective for him. Ah, the universe. Now that's fucking complicated. He found comfort in his thoughts and the universe and other things being insignificant before boarding the tram and heading home. got off the tram at his usual stop and headed up the street to his place. He walked past two homeless men on the corner listening to the beatbox as they drew on the pavement with chalk. He could see they were both talented artists. He stopped to pause at the image that they were creating together and told them he would visit in the morning to see the finished job. The men continued what they were doing as he walked on, making a note to check it out in the morning. He figured, although they had natural talent, things would probably never improve for them, other than collecting change in their hats from passers-by, throwing coins at them, in an appreciation of the work done before the street sweepers would yet again wash their work away, and they would move on to another pavement canvas and start over. Paul felt lucky he hadn't languished in his own depression when he was younger, he felt a way clear of everything that had happened to him and come up with simple truths for himself to survive. Now he observed so much around him and his art helped him appreciate and, exp- and express life. He thought of Shoshana and how she was in the world. Her life was a blur with so many moving pieces He thought of the energy it must take to keep her head above all that she created in her life. Paul figured she must be addicted to the adrenaline. It it surely stirred in her, keeping her in a state of searching for the next hit. Paul stood in front of the canvas that he had begun sketching on Sunday night. He liked the image in front of him and decided to get started. He pulled his roller door up before gathering his paints, brushes, turpentine and a collection of pallets, readying himself to work. He felt the vague pain in his temple return so went to the fridge and collected the cheap wine and a large glass. He poured the wine and drank the glass down in one go before refilling it to sit it beside him and sip on while he worked through the night refilling it as he needed. A few hours later, Paul heard music slowly getting louder and looked over to see the two homeless street artists had appeared at his roller door. Hey man, you want to check out our work? They asked. Paul put his brushes down, happy for the break. Sure, he said and headed over to them both. Hey man, we see you in there working away. What are you painting? One guy said to him. Oh, a woman, a beautiful, complicated woman, Paul replied, before pulling his roller door down to follow them back up the street a little way to their street mural. Paul and the men introduced themselves. I'm Dave, one man said. Yeah, nice to meet you, Paul. Paul replied, slapping the man's hand, greeting him. Ah, they call me Biggie, said the other man, and slapped his hand hello too. Paul looked at the piece the men had created. Shit, man, that's good, Paul said, walking around the art and taking in the scene. Yeah, it'll be gone by Wednesday. You know what this fucking government's like, Biggie said. Looks like you've captured your truth here said caught by the scene of a starving man holding out a plate in a desert scene with a tourist in gaudy clothing and an instant photo camera paying the starving man for the photo he had taken of him it was grotesque the man had to stay starving to remain photo worthy to the tourist and the starving man couldn't risk improving his health for fear of losing his income It was a jarring piece you want to hear something ironic we know this guy who follows us around taking our pictures with our work before it gets washed away one day we bought some new threads with his big tip and he told us we were ruining his starving artist image what a fucking asshole Dave described Yeah, we had to put our rags back on. I felt like a fucking piece of meat, but we were hungry, so shit. It's a fucking life, Biggie said resolutely. Paul looked at the men. What are you doing now? he asked. Oh, we're going to find a place to stay over in the park. It'll be daylight soon. We don't want any shit. They don't throw money until about seven o'clock. Around 9.30 we'll have a sleep and then come back to collect for the afternoon around 3, Biggie replied. We've got it sorted. We know the rush times. Some people are good, might stop and talk a bit, others will walk right over our work. Fucking ignorant pigs, Dave added. You want to come back to my place? I don't have much food but I've got some wine, Paul asked. Nah man, I'm sober, three weeks clean. Biggie said. Dave smiled. Yeah, you're doing all right, hey, Big, he said proudly. Paul looked at the men. They knew their routine and it kept things survivable. Well, thanks for showing me your work. I appreciate it. See you later, eh? He said before leaving. Yeah, when will you be finished, your beautiful complicated woman? Biggie asked. Dunno. Drop by sometime if you're around. If you see the roller door up, I'm home, Paul said before slapping hands with the men and leaving. Paul went back to working and drinking.